This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this midweek edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set with the Baltimore Orioles losing the series two games to one. The Red Sox are currently third place in the American League East, nine games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. They are also in a tie, a dead even tie with the Seattle Mariners for the second spot in the wild card. Both teams trail the New York Yankees, who have a two-game lead on that one seed for the wild card. Going to be really tough to overtake them with just three games remaining. Blue Jays are one game back, so it's a very, very tight race right now. Going to come probably literally down to game 162, and there could be a game 163. It is that tight. Quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt, which will probably be the case tonight. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Co-hosting with me tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. How are you? What's going on? I think I'm doing better than everyone else. I'm still not worried. <laughs> uh, well, it's good. It's, you're gonna sleep the best tonight, then. Let's. Uh, I will. I'm gonna sleep like a big uh, Sunday. Should be, Sunday could be a lot of fun. <laughs> or Monday. Or Monday. That's game. That's one very season. true. That's oh, I, sign me up for that. That'd be that'd be really fun. That's... Oakland would have to fly cross country overnight, play an early game in Boston. That that that'd be something. Yeah, absolutely. Also co-hosting with us tonight, coming off of the bench, Job Goddard is off. Charlie Smith joining us tonight from Providence, Rhode Island. How are you, Charlie? Uh, not as good as uh, Andrew over there. You know, we are, we're dealing with pollen up here in New England, and uh, I don't know what's up in the air. I think the marijuana has just done its own thing in, in Colorado. I am so happy to know that you are so happy. Because I was so shocked on the last show when Jason goes, mm, 
I'm predicting we're gonna lose two out of three. And Terry and I looked at each other like, "What? It's Baltimore." Like, I predicted no a way sweep for the Red Sox. I predicted two out of three. I figured you you bounce one. I didn't think they'd bounce two. Jason said the Red Sox would lose two out of three, and uh, there's some idiots on Twitter that need to own that one too. I'm hoping. I hope he gets a sorry. Jason got roasted on Twitter, but I don't think he'll get any apologies for that. Probably not. No. And uh, before we get into the show, I just want to remind everyone of a scenario. The 2018 postseason, in game 162, the Cubs lost. That forced them into a game 163 with the Brewers for the division. They lost game 163 to the Brewers for the division. Brewers went into the one seed. They went from the wild card to the one seed. Then in the next game, the Cubs got relegated to the wild card because they lost game 163, like I said, and then they lost to the Rockies and were out. They went from 48 hours before possibly the one seed to out. Just absolutely disgusting. So... It's going to be an insane weekend. And uh, before I'll, I'll actually just a heads up on how the show is going to go. We're not going to do the regular format tonight. Um, it, it would be a very dud heavy format. It would have been the last regular format of the season. But we're just going to we're just going to have a therapy session, get things off our chest as we we watch these last three games that are epically important for the Red Sox. So it's just going to be a bit of a mishmash show. But before we get into that, getting the sponsor out of the way. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston. Do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. The Lawnmower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave throughout your travels across the universe. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, so let's just start off with this question. Why are we falling on our faces The Yankees, all right, we shouldn't have got swept, but all right, they're they're a good team. Why did it carry over into Baltimore? Like, what's going on right now? They're hitting a lot of balls right at guys, and they're not being opportunistic. I mean, we saw Xander, he may have had his worst game in, I don't want to say recent memory, ever. What, he grounded in two double plays today? and had another brutal at bat it he was probably the main reason if if we were doing studs and duds he'd be leading off the duds and 
there would be no, you know, questioning it. He he was absolutely terrible, and he's a catalyst of this team. And we did talk a couple of weeks ago on deep dives of you know, like what's what do we do with Xander long term? And he better have some hits in that uh, in that bat of his coming up in Washington because if he doesn't, then we're probably looking at the same scenario here. But they need the guys that are supposed to perform to perform, and that really hasn't happened. I don't have Devers stats in front of me. I don't think he's really done too much lately. I don't think Xander's done much lately. And I, I don't know what we expect if our three, four hitters are, you know, falling, falling flat. Well, I mean, you hit it right on the head as far as Xander. I've, I've been real negative on it for a while now. One for 11 in the series. I think Devers was like three for 12 or three for 11 in the series. It just, your stars aren't being stars. They're just not doing their job. You had one quality start out of three, but we talked about the level of consistency. You can start off on a, on a strong note. You swing at the first pitch and send one into orbit. But if you can't sustain that and you give up moonshots to players that were no-namers not that long ago, I mean, this is a reminder of the beginning of the season when I was a pretty pretty negative person i said this is a team that's going to win 70 games this is not going to be an 80 win team and we lost the first three games of the year and i was like well here we go we're starting off on the wrong page and one thing after another it just did not seem to go right the only thing that went right was the second game and that was the evaldi show six innings of shutout baseball struck out seven and it's not that evaldi uh, sorry pavetta did his best to try to replicate uh, Evaldi night, but it just it wasn't there and it wasn't in the cards and Garrett Richards came in and, and threw up another dud. That didn't help, but here's the thing. Even with Garrett Richards pitching, it would have made a difference. Nick Pavetta allowed three runs. The Red Sox couldn't even score three runs. That is unacceptable. You just cannot go home only having scored two runs in two of your three games to Baltimore. This is a team you need to win. This is a series you need to have. It's not because we want it. We need it and want it. Big difference. And it wasn't in the cards. Jason called it. I was not right. Terry wasn't right. It, it was hard. It was really hard to watch us play not pretty baseball. It's like the steam is completely gone. It's definitely been a tale of two halves. First half, on July 2nd, the Red Sox led Major League Baseball with the most wins. They had 51 wins. They were the first team to that number. The Giants were right on their heels, but the the Red Sox, for at least a day or two, had the best record in Major League Baseball. Since then, I, I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but... We've got to be one of the worst teams in the in the second half here. And I'd kind of been singing the praises of, of Garrett Richards in the bullpen. I was kind of a proponent of that. And I was really curious to see how it would turn out, especially with his newfound changeup. And he was throwing a slider really good. But he's had at least a couple of bad outings in the last week or so. And all the guys that we need to rely on to be good haven't been good. It, it started game one 
against the Yankees. Unfortunately, Charlie and I were sitting out in center field for that game. Evaldi gets let up. And since then, he's got our only win, which was game two of the series. But the, the one question I had with this team was sustainability. And everybody's crapped out here. Coming down the stretch. Just about everybody. Nick Pavetta gave it his best shot. I mean, he gave up three runs. He's basically, he should be our number five. But unfortunately, we're so thin, he's our number four. And they're, they're, not, they're not finding ways to do it. This is the first time this century that the Red Sox might miss the playoffs three years in a row. And, and you can say, you know, I didn't have them a playoff team anyway, so maybe I shouldn't be shocked. But, but we had the best record on July 2nd. And that was right around the time I drank the punch. And I said, this is a good baseball team. This is a team that's better than I thought it would be. And I feel like a fool for actually drinking the punch because I held out for a long time. And it's been a letdown. I think the manager has been a letdown. I don't think Alex Cora has been firing these guys up. It doesn't seem like they've made a ton of errors lately as, as opposed to the first half of the month when it was just God awful. But part of this is on the, on the managers, uh, the manager, part of it's on the players and, and I, you have to put part of it on bloom at, if we miss the playoffs, what worked out? Hunter Renfro. <laughs> That's it. What else worked out? Kike. Well, Kike. Garrett Whitlock yeah, and Kike. My bad. Yeah, Kike, Garrett, I mean, they're, they're three. Garrett Whitlock on That's a beetle three. for the first half was pretty good. No, Everybody was good in the first half for the most yeah, part. That but, was... and then... but what in the end, what worked out? I, I'll give you Kike. I guess I'll give you Whitlock. I mean, he's had some some ups and downs in the second half. Overall has been pretty good. But it's oh, there's a lot of things that didn't work out. And we needed at least a couple more players to work out. If Salamora didn't just become suddenly one of the worst relievers in Major League Baseball in the last five or six weeks, we're probably in a little bit better shape. But... It all goes back to sustainability. That was my big question throughout spring training, throughout the first couple of months of the year when I still wouldn't buy it. And not much was sustainable. Not much ended up being sustainable. So a little bit, you got to put a little bit on everybody. The front office and Brian O'Halloran owned it in an interview about a month ago. And he took accountability and said, yeah, you know, maybe mistakes were made. So it's this is going to be disappointing. And when we go into this winter, there's no reason not to sign Max Scherzer to overpay him for a two year deal or or to to make a big play. Heim Bloom has to be. I don't know. I mean, Scherzer's not coming to the East Coast. He's not. He's going to hang out in California. I think that's a given. I think he's going to be on the uh, he's going to be on the Dodgers next year, no matter what. I, I can't see him coming anywhere else. What are the Dodgers going to pay him? Whatever they need to pay him, because they're not they're going to have to replace Trevor Bauer. He's they're going to have to pay Trevor Bauer and replace Trevor Bauer. Most yeah, likely. no. I mean, they're not paying Trevor Bauer. 
didn't Scherzer, didn't it come out that, because there was that whole report where it was clearly fake that the Red Sox ownership told, like, the Red Sox, their bloom to do whatever. And even uh, the Nats GM came out, he's like, no, like, Scherzer wasn't going to the East Coast. He was going to the West Coast. And he's 38. He's going to want to hang out there. He's had good success there. He can chill in the NL, get automatic wins against the T-backs and the Rockies and not have to worry about any of that and just live in nice warm weather all season long. I, I would love to see Scherzer here. Don't get me wrong. I just – I don't see that being a possibility. If – if the Red Sox offer him a two-year, seventy million dollar deal, that's thirty-five per. I mean, and the Dodgers are, you know, five to I six. I would offer it off. to him. Yeah, yeah, but that the point I'm making, Andrew, is Heim Bloom for the first year in his Red Sox tenure has to be a big market GM this winter. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, gonna, yeah. I'm not going to sit here for another winter and digest all these. Oh, that's a great under the radar move. I'm done with that. I'm done with was, losing, well, and I'm done missing the playoffs. In our, chats, in our chats, I've always been the one saying I think this is the the winter they spend. I, I think I've been consistent it, with that. I think they're absolutely that's good. fine. He said it, it has to happen, though, is what I'm saying. And I think it will. They're set up with the draft pick uh, compensation to lose because they I, I, apparently they would only have to give up the uh, Judd Fabian pick. So if that's the case, I'm all for it. And I think they're all for it too because they're not going to get dinged in any sort of um, draft bonus allocation. And they could go after one of these middle infielders because this is the year to do it. The free agency classes after this are terrible. They're absolutely brutal. This is probably the best one in recent memory. I can't remember a free agent class being as deep as it is right now. Charlie, uh, we, we we've said it before. Like, if, if anyone wants to talk about a bust or an absolute miss, it would have been during the uh, the preseason, during you know winter meetings. I mean, yes, Kike hit, yes, Garrett Whitlock hit, yes, Hunter Renfro most certainly hit, but there were no big market players that came here. No one wanted to come here. People were rushing to get out. Mookie Betts, gone. Did not want to stay here. Xander Bogarts, the writing was on the wall. He didn't want to stay. Rafael Devers still has not signed. You can look at me that way all you want. Xander Bogarts. Xander took less money to stay here. That was his choice. Yeah. We're talking about all sorts of factors here, but that was his choice. He could have easily. I know. You just said he didn't want to be here. He literally. He doesn't want to be here. Right now, he does not want to be here. I don't know what we're looking at, but we're not but, looking at the same thing, clearly. Xander Bogarts he, does not want any part of Boston. What? He literally took less money to sign a five-year deal here. His choice. Well, Charlie, just for he, clarification, you're you're talking about coming into apparently or, or during 2021 versus when he signed in 2019. At this present moment, does anyone think that Xander Bogarts wants to stay in Boston? Yeah, he said he wants to, and he wants to be paid handsomely to do so, which you can't so blame So did Mookie him. Betts. Mookie Betts said, oh, I didn't want to leave. But guess what? Mookie Betts is wearing Dodger blue. Because they weren't going to pay him that much money. Do you want them to, do you want them to pay Xander $37.5 million for eight years? Of course not. No, I don't. Do you think he's worth that? 
Do you think he thinks he's worth that? I, I don't know what he thinks. I think he's, he he's absolutely thinking thinks at all. That. I if think he thinks he's... he's worth. Sorry, Terry. What? I think he might think that he's worth that, but. Wow. And that's what he Scott should. Scott Boris is telling him that he's worth that. Yeah. But I I don't I don't know one way or the other, but my mindset on Xander Bogarts is I'm not giving him anything. If he opts out, I'm moving on. So am I. I'm over it. I'm done. I just I, where do you what do you do with him? Where do you put him? He's one of the worst defensive at least in terms of defensive runs saved, he's one of the worst shortstops in Major League Baseball right now. I think only ta- Tatis was worse, if I'm not mistaken. His his talent has it's dropped off. Is he a bad shortstop? No. Is he worth thirty million a year? No. Here here's no. another point I want to make right now, and, and Xander is at the heart of it. He's he doesn't have toughness. He needs a ton of days off, and Alex Cora gives these guys days off. Look at us. Look at this team right now. Did that pay off? Did that pay off at all? Giving these guys tons of days off. Do they look energized and invigorated as we roar into the playoffs? That That's another thing. That's an epic failure on the part of Alex Cora. And I'm not saying I'm not going to be putting up any fire... Cora hashtag Sunday night if we're out of the playoffs. I'm not going to be doing that. But at this point, he's not a top two or three manager in Major League Baseball to me. His IQ might be there, but there's other factors that go into being a good manager. And I'm putting him for now in the overrated category. Andrew, do you want to weigh in first? I mean, I... Xander absolutely probably needs some days off and the game takes a toll on his body, but everyone's built differently. So I'm not going to get on him on that. He's, I mean, at the end of the day, he's probably going to play what 140 games this season. And that's pretty damn good for a 2021 major league baseball player where we're not taking greenies in, you know, June, June, July and August, like they used to until 2008. So I, I don't have any problem with that. Um, with the rest I think that's just the way the modern day game is. Uh, we could agree or disagree on it. It's whatever. I don't think there's get much point in getting to too deep into that, but I, I've got to disagree with the Cora thing. I think Cora's good. I think he's got some shit pieces going on right now in the bullpen. I mean, Barnes falling apart after the trade deadline didn't help. Uh, Chris Sale going out and, you know, being close contact and missing two weeks didn't help all these pieces worked against them. And then they're stretched thin. And that's not entirely true actually, because we were winning a lot of games while a lot of these guys were out. These, these call-ups from Pawtucket, that was during the stretch where we won. We were either tying or winning series. We weren't losing many series. So we can't, They were, but they were taxing the bullpen and, uh, in some of these situations well, possibly but during that time that, that we, was we my had... issue with it all right well, that's where uh, yeah that, i mean yeah arrows came up and he did well like those guys filled in admirably i'm just saying like i thought some guys got taxed and next off season i i have full faith that they're gonna go after some guys i mean luckily we have some contracts running up and we have some money coming to us 
And I think we're going to see a whole different strategy as well. I, I think they can flex some uh, financial muscles. But in terms of Cora, when he got um, – who's the reliever of the Yankees out of the game by simply putting – uh, who did he put like Vasquez in the on deck circle or he put a righty in the on deck circle and got, um, that was Dahlbeck. The that, was that in the Yankee series? Against yes. Yeah. Dahlbeck. Yeah. And then they pulled him instantly. Yeah. And, and that one worked out great. And I, I think he's, I think we still have a managerial advantage in most of these series, if not all of them. I, I, I have a lot of faith in him. Uh, I think guys are letting him down quite frankly. I don't think he's in the overrated section. I don't think he's the best manager in baseball. I don't think he's the second best manager in baseball. I don't think he's top two, three in the American League. And I think there's a taint. Uh, there's a little bit of a tainted um, memory that people haven't soon forgotten. I, I am in a weird place where I don't really know where to put him. I don't know where to classify Alex Cora. And it's it's large. it's largely in part because of everything that we've we've seen it's it's been players letting him down it's been i feel at times perhaps a little bit too soft in favoritism for specific players i want the old like gunnery sergeant alex core to come back where there's fire and tenacity and i just don't i don't see that right now and could it change sure absolutely no question but has it changed so far i, I I don't know. And with three games left, you need to sweep these. You need to sweep in your last series. And um, if you look at the three games that we have in relation to the other two, whether or not I want to see him come back um, for an extended period of time really depends. We have Washington for three games. Seattle has L.A. for three games. I think they have a little bit of an easier opponent. Toronto has Baltimore for three games. So just to put that into perspective, there's two two of those three teams are making it. Boston, the Mariners, and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, I think, are going to be one of those two teams. You have to pray that Seattle gets rocked by L.A. One, one of those three teams is making it. Excuse, uh, sorry, excuse me. I misspoke. Yeah, <laughs> Unless sorry. the Yankees get worse. And then, no, no, no. You're absolutely then right. Then we have, honestly, the greatest Monday in all of sports. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm rooting for. I'm team chaos. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fly to Colorado and chaos with you. Are you kidding? That's insane. Going forward with Alex Cora, and, and I mean next year at this point, whatever happens in the next few days is what happens. But Alex Cora can't come into 2022 and think he's going to manage it like the 2018 team. That's gone. And that was a somewhat unique team with a lot of guys reaching their peak in the same year had a pretty good rotation. Even Rick Porcello had a good year in 2018. That's not going to happen again. He has to have a different mindset. And if these guys aren't tough enough to grind out games in, in June and July with minimal days off, they're not going to be tough enough to win in October. And I'm kind of stealing a line from 2017 in a totally different situation by, uh, with Lou Merloni by saying that. But if they're not tough enough to grind it out then, they're not tough enough to, to do it. So I, I, want, I want toughness. I want, I want guys that are going to run through walls. And what are we going to do 
this offseason, I think some guys just need to be moved. We need a shakeup. We need a different chemistry, I feel like. I'd love to see Vasquez gone because I'm not sold that he could handle this pitching staff. They had Plowecki catch um, Nathan Avaldi in game two. His ERA is like over a full run better with Plowecki, but that's scary because you know Plowecki's not going to hold the base runners. And Avaldi is the wild card game starter if we get there. So are, are we going to let Plowecki catch that game? with the flaws that he has. So I'd love to see a different a different catcher. I don't know who that would be right now. I know the Phillies are going to have a fire sale, and I've always loved JT Realmuto. That's probably a pipe dream, but it's an outside-the-box scenario I'd love to see. He's got four years remaining, so it's not the most painful contract of all time. Um, and he's handled he's handled at least Zach Wheeler pretty good this year who's going to be, I, I think, still a, a top three or four Cy Young guy. But um, so they need to shake it up. If J.D. opts out, that's a guy you can kind of you can kind of replace. I, I don't know if Schwarber ends up staying, but I want to see a bit of a shakeup this year. I want to see a few key guys moved. I want to see fresh blood and a, a team in 2022 that's – that's re-energized and hopefully with a different mindset than 2019 and 2021. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure how big of a shakeup you can get because at this point, I'm leaning probably 80% towards JD coming back. Um, I don't think he's going to opt out at this point in his career. I think he's kind of hinted at it that he's going to stay. So I think we'll see him and you have your three outfield spots locked down. I don't think you really want to move on from Verdugo and left Renfro and right. Those are two extremely cheap options. Kike was honestly the best center fielder in the league defensively uh, until they started playing around with them, but he's still a damn good center fielder. Um, He's on a relatively cheap contract. Then you get into the infield Xander is probably your biggest potential shakeup, but he's got a no trade clause and he'll likely shut anything down unless actually I don't even know a situation. I would say like an NBA kind of move where, you know, there's a contract, you know, a wink, wink and a nod contract waiting for him on the other side. But I don't I don't foresee any giant move coming. Um Vasquez cheap contract next year and the free agent class is absolutely just garbage. I'm not hundred percent sure where that move comes from. I think it comes from a free agent signee and maybe if Bobby Dahlbeck has rehabbed his uh image around the league enough um in the second half. You might be able to get something out of him, sign a cheap veteran first baseman until Tristan's ready. But I, I think the only major shakeup could come with a free agent signing. Well, in regards to JD, I mean, he's hitting – this was coming into today because I'm on baseball reference and they don't update instantaneously. But he's hitting 287 with a three – 49 OBP, a slugging percentage of 522. 
OPS 870, if you're into that. And he's just about a three war. So that's an attractive signing to some teams. And he's a durable player. He's a very durable player. He is. And actually, this goes into something that we we're kind of talking about off air. Um, do you decline that guaranteed money without knowing what the CBA holds? Because that could be bad. I absolutely would because what's he going to sign for one year? He's got 19 in front of him if he if he wants to opt into yeah. it. So what's he going to what's he going to sign for on a one-year deal if that's what he's re- relegated to? It's not going to be much less than 19, maybe 12 or 14 at the very least. So I But would he if he was only in that one year at less money, would he want to like uproot his life at that point and move on? And who knows? I mean, I think we're all kind of accepting that universal DH will come through, but what if it doesn't, you know what I mean? I think it will. I think the players all want it, but here's another thing though, to just add to the speculation. He was asked less than a week ago if he was going to opt out. And you know what his, you know what his answer was? I haven't decided yet. That's the wrong answer. Even if, even if that's his plan, the the right answer for JD was, well, I first and foremost, I'd love to finish my career in Boston. He didn't even say that. He didn't even say that. So I'm not, I'm 100% positive. He will opt out. So at that point, does Bloom value him enough to bring him back on a three or four year deal? That's where I'm at. And I don't think he will. I don't think Bloom values him. I hope he does not. I don't even think it would be a, does he value him? I think it's, do you value the flexibility that that added positional um, spot in the lineup gives you? Yeah, that's part of it. That's probably what he's going to be debating, you know, in his mind. I I have no doubt about that. But I, I think he's, he's going to opt out and, I don't think Vasquez is the guy. He's the one guy I, I hope they move. And he's got one year left at cheap money. That'll be attractive to a team that wants a catcher, particularly an offensive one. I know this year's been a step back from 2017 through 2019, but I I don't I just don't trust him. Evaldi doesn't want to pitch to him. Chris Sale's been pitching to him. I don't think he's pitched to Pulecki once, but but has Chris Sale looked like the ace of the past? He's had, what, seven or eight starts now at least? And he hasn't returned back to his old form. And maybe he never will at this point in his career. Maybe he wouldn't have anyway, even if he didn't have Tommy John. But I don't think I don't think Chris Sale goes out there so pumped up to be pitch, pitching to Christian Vasquez. I don't think Chris Sale would want to pitch to Vasquez either. It just it they don't I don't think they have the best chemistry either. The real Muto signing uh, Oh god, bringing somebody like that over if the Phillies do indeed have a fire sale, you absorb the entire contract. You take no money, you give up little to no prospects if you're going to be doing something like that. But I can't see the Red Sox doing that unless they guarantee they guarantee that J.D. Martinez is not coming back and guarantee a couple other players that aren't going to be there. Otherwise, I can't see them making a big splash because they're going to have to liquidate. They're going to have to get rid of something to get a player like that. But at this point, I know you've been adamant about bringing back your man, Sandy. You love Sandy. (laughs) I I know you do. I know you do. 
I don't see it happening. But does does Chris Sale have enough pull uh, with the team to be able to say, listen, I need my guy and I need him to play uh, with me again because otherwise I don't I don't know if I, I if I feel comfortable. And two things happen when something like that happens. One higher probability that Sandy Leone comes back, and number two, in my eyes, Chris Sale loses a status because you shouldn't need a personalized catcher if you are an ace. That's why I'm like, oh, Garrett Cole's whatever. Garrett Cole has a uh, – God, is it Hishigioka? I always forget. Higashioka, yeah. Higashioka. I always fudge his name. Um, but, like, that was the thing. When he and Higashioka last year were playing together, they did great. When Cole had another catcher, his area was like four. And that was something that, you know, it's like, well, I mean, if you're an ace, you should be able to pitch to whoever. shouldn't matter. So that's that's the other thing too, you know. Like, can Real Muto make the rest of the rotation better? Probably. Is it going to cost something? Yeah, he's one of the best catchers in in the game right now. And when Posey's out, he's in the top two, top three conversation. He's he's not the best one because that guy is playing in Kansas City, and it's not even a question. So we'll see what happens. I'll keep my options open. Here's one thing I think I'm going to be wrong about. All year long, I've been steadfast in that Eduardo Rodriguez won't be back. The Red Sox won't won't pay for him. But I think there's, I would say, more likely than not, Rodriguez will be back. And here's why I think that. Connor Siebold, 90-mile-an-hour junk fastball, at best he's going to be a reliever. He's not going to be a starting pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. Tanner Houck, I still want to be a starting pitcher so bad, but who knows? And Andrew's been pretty steadfast that, no, he's probably a reliever where where he only has two extremely solid pitches. So that's a guy potentially not in the rotation next year. Garrett Whitlock probably will be at some point, but that's unproven. Even if they do attempt it at some point in the first half of the year, unproven, a bit of a question mark as a starting pitcher. Who else do we have as far as depth on the farm? Winkowski, he's he's a ways out. So th- we don't have any depth as far as starting pitching, as far as I'm concerned. So I think I think that's going to pave the way for Rodriguez to be more pursued than what I anticipated by the Red Sox. I think he's probably going to come back. And hopefully, I know his, what is it, his expected ERA, something like that, is it was 3.76 after his last start. You know, so the basically the, the defense has led to his ERA being a full run higher. For some reason, when the Red Sox have their defensive lapses, a lot of it takes place with Rodriguez on the mound. And so, go ahead. Andrew, I know that uh, you and I don't have the luxury of getting to work together on a on a weekly basis, but have you been? If you had to put a percentage on it for how you feel and with the Red Sox and what they're going to do, how do you feel like percentage wise, temperature wise about the Red Sox re-signing Erod? Like, what's your feeling? Do you want Erod to come back? I absolutely want him to get the qualifying offer, and yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, whatever happens with that, I mean, 
I'm cool. So you want him to come back. You want him back. Absolutely. If uh, cost controlled lefty wants to come back, I'm never going to say no to that. Um, Yeah. Lefty. That's, that's one of the only reasons, but what do you think he'll get? The, I said, give him the qualifying offer. That's what you want. But what do you think? Yeah, I think they should. That's what you think. think Well, I absolutely think they'll give him the qualifying offer. And if he wants to pitch for one year, $18 million, I think that's a bargain. Oh yeah. Oh my God. Remember earlier yeah. this year, I'm pretty sure all of us were talking about five years, 100 mil. And I think he's going to get offers similar to like five at 85. That was the number I always thought he was going to get. I was pretty adamant. Yeah, we had earlier shows this season. And I, I have always stuck with 585. I thought that was exactly where he's going to be. Um, That's what I think it's 17 per, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. So I, I thought that was fair for both the player and the team. I don't know if his – I mean, his agent's obviously going to know his market better as soon as that uh, QO comes through. We've seen Mark Stroman pitch on that. Worked out well for him. We saw Gosman pitch on that. Worked out great for him. Right. So that – you know, the st- stigma of that um, QO might be beneficial because – Erod's not even going to be that old next off season, you know, He's if he not. played on that one year and then That's there's going to be no strings attached to him. So I, I think there's a good chance that they absolutely could um, get him for this one year and then figure it out. And I don't think that's the worst problem. And I do think that they're probably going to go hard after the Japanese and uh, KBO market as well, which that's kind of how I've wanted I, like Cody Senga. If he gets posted, that's a big guy I've, I've wanted um, for a while now. He's supposed to be coming up. I don't know. It's I think they're going to go outside the box. I think they're going to have plenty of offers out there. Uh, I know everyone out. I know everyone here would hate if Stroman came through, but I think he's <laughs> yeah. a don't do that. He's a ballpark proof pitcher that is pretty damn good. And I would I mean, rather he could do a lot I worse would... with zero compensation going back uh, the Mets way. And there's no draft pick attached, and it's just money. I would. I don't know if I could rename this show the DFA Stroman Podcast immediately. Brad, yeah, I would have to. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I, no, I can't. I, I wouldn't do it, but I. I he him. would be my new David Price, and I'm just so I'm not ready for another David Price at this point. And uh, yeah, I don't want to turn this into a rant on Stroman, but so so I'll say this much. Till it's stop, uh, you know, we'll pop off of a uh, Stroman because really, we, it's a waste of time to talk about him. I don't think he's coming to Boston. I like the idea of him taking a QO for for uh, Erod, n- not Stroman. Erod coming back on a QO, depending on what happens next year, wherever the team is going or not going, that's a trade ship if he's having a good year. And you were just talking about the fact that we really have no pitching farm. Like, it's not like we're the Tampa Bay Rays developing and harvesting. It feels like they harvest pitchers. Like, you don't even know who they are, and they're, like, in a back room with, like, green, blue light, and humans are just growing. That's kind of how it feels like in Tampa Bay. What – I mean, I'm curious, like, what the return would be for a team that's looking for a bona fide three, two B pitcher. Like, I I don't know if I'd call him, like, a one – or a solid two, but a three, ideally. If he's doing well next year and he has the QO, yeah, I'm moving him. Absolutely. Because we're talking about the same thing with the Valdi. Do you want him 
Do you want to trade him during the offseason, or would you be willing to move him potentially during next year, depending on where the season is? I, I'm in the same boat with Erod and Evaldi, depending, and I like Evaldi. I don't mind him, but I am concerned just based on the the injury history and Erod. It's health. But if or go ahead. No, sorry, I'll, I'll make it quick. I was gonna say, but I mean, we can't keep trading all these guys because we have nothing to come back. Well, the reason Tampa—that's what I was about to say. I mean, best case, Hauk somehow figures it out and becomes a starter, and Whitlock becomes a starter, and that's how you have mm. depth. If those guys don't work out, there's no depth, so you can't—you yeah. can't be trading starting pitching. And we have to keep Evaldi. I would have not loved, trading both. I, I, oh no, I know. I would have loved to have moved on from Avaldi because I'm still going to be slightly pessimistic next year, even though he's going to have, I think, 34 starts by the end. Well, actually, he might only have 33 and just under 200 innings. But can he do it two years in a row? I'm going to be a little pessimistic about that. But but we have to bring him back. We have no choice but to bring him back. And I think we probably do have to bring back Rodriguez. And... And here's the thing on Rodriguez. Cora is the most vicious with him in his post-game press conferences than he is any other player. If he has a bad game, Cora basically rips him. And they asked him, it was probably earlier in the month, I don't even remember the team, he just he turned in a dud. And they, uh, they asked Cora, they said, well, what would you think of Erod's performance tonight? And all, all Cora literally said was, well, there's not much to talk about with him. And that was it. And he didn't want to talk about Rodriguez. So I don't know that Cora is a, a big Erod guy necessarily. But but again, we don't have the depth and, and we have to consider it. I'd be shocked. Well, I guess I shouldn't say shocked, but I, I think they'd want to go the multi-year route with him at a semi-team friendly deal. Andrew's on the high end from where I am. And, and he, he could be right, but I think he's somewhere in the the 45 to 60 million range on a three or four year deal. I think he's about 15 per. And I'm not too bad at this, by the way. I'm usually close. So, but I, you know, I, I might whiff on this one, but, um, but I would be surprised if, if, they give him 18 million and and his ERA is back around five for whatever reason. Inconsistency, bad defense around him. I, I just think they would feel bad about that. And I so I, I don't know. But I think he's coming back one way or the other. Let me put it that way. More likely than not. Let's just I, I think we've vented enough. Uh, let's just get into this series. I, I will point out before we do get into it the nationals have lost five out of their last six. They lost three in a row to the Cincinnati reds. And then they lost two out of three to the Rockies. So we should be catching them at the right time here. They're, they're a better team than, than Baltimore regardless. So I'm expecting a tough series, but um, so let's go ahead and get into that. So tomorrow, I mean, I'll let you know right now. We got Erod. Might as well start there, pitching for a contract. Essentially, this is his last guaranteed start in a Boston Red Sox uniform. So that's tomorrow uh, against was it Jesse Rogers? Is that his name? I believe so. Or Josh Rogers? Sorry. Uh, 
Not a huge sample size. Only played five games this year. 2.7 ERA in just a hair under 30 innings pitch. So he's a lefty. He doesn't throw too hard. I think he's around 90-ish. You'd like to see him hit him. We'll see. Gotta have Xander come through tomorrow. I think tomorrow is a huge game for Xander to set the tone for the series. I think Erod needs to win this game, and I think Xander needs to have a, a fantastic series, not just this game. You know, like this is he and and Rafi Devers both need to light it up. If they don't, if you go down in this series, you go down 0-1 to start this one off. You're you're on the wall. You're you are you are borderline out because you need to win the next two after that. You really can't afford to lose one even because if the other teams win three, you're done. You you lose two and you're out. Magic number is two. Done. Um, there's not much I can really say. Uh, it's a big start for Erod. He's pitched pretty well lately. It'd be nice if you get six innings out of him. I'll say that because who do we trust in the bullpen right now? I mean, Richards on a bit of a skid. Barnes don't trust him. Who do we trust? Who's going to hold it down those last few innings? Brazier, maybe. He's had a few good starts, so I I guess you slot him in. Um, Jeez, who, who do we have? Tomorrow, I don't think you're going to have the full extent of the bullpen. I do think you have Barnes, you got Darwin's in, and probably Otto. Um, yeah, Ottavino, that's a good point. Because yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because it kind of gets into the next game where that's a TBD game, and I think we're going to see a bullpen game. Really? Um, yeah, I do. I I think we're going to see Tanner Houck start. I do. Okay. Um, and then I think we're going to see a lot of Garrett Whitlock, and then God knows what from there. Wait, so is Whit- gonna... Whitlock's coming back this weekend? He was eligible as of today, I thought. Okay. So, yeah, he should be back tomorrow. And he's been throwing, and, like, regular yeah, bullpens? He was, yeah, he was off flat ground a couple days ago, and I think he was in the bullpen today. Okay. Well, that's encouraging. And I'll point out that Ottavino actually pitches well against non-divisional teams. So perhaps he'll be effective against uh, the Nationals, who's, who've probably literally never seen him or, or very little. So that that's encouraging. So maybe the bullpen is a little bit better than, than what I was previously thinking. Uh, so, okay, so game three, which is Sunday, game 162, uh, that's a TBD as well by what it looks like. Or have you heard otherwise? It is. Well, that's sales line. Uh, okay. I think he's lined up for that one. Okay. I'm, pretty, I'm fairly certain. Don't well, call me on that, but I'm like 95% on that one. Because my next question was, do you do you just burn Evaldi in game 162 if if you have to? I mean, that might be life or death. So, it's just... I think you have a good fallback with Sale if, uh, if that's, you know, if that's what it is and not mess around with the rest. What day is the wild card game for the American League? Do we know? Uh-huh. Yeah, let's look. I had a scenario in my mind, but I, I don't think it's going to pan out the way I wanted to. Sorry for the dead air. We're literally uh, thinking on the fly right now. 
Well, I mean, you have a game one sixty three potentially on Monday, so I'm gonna go with Tuesday. Okay, it is Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday yeah. at eight PM. All right. So if Erod pitches, here's a scenario for you. He pitches well against the Yankees. Avaldi's gonna start the game. Do you use Erod for two or three innings? Almost like a game seven? I mean, his I think numbers you do whatever the hell you need to do, honestly. Yeah. I don't think it matters. I think I just throw all that shit into the wind and <laughs> you just go from there. I, it's like a game seven. Like you said, um, if you're in there, if you're in the bullpen or if you, have a, if you throw, you, you might be going in. The dream scenario, and I doubt it's going to play out this way, is that you don't need sale in game 162. We win to the Mariners and Blue Jays. Well, do we play 163 against the Blue Jays if we're tied with them or no? It all depends. It's God, Jeff passing through it out there earlier. It's weird. I think it would be like we face the merit. We face one team one day and then like another team, another or something like that. It was super messed up. Well, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just saying if we're tied with the Blue Jays, not the Mariners. So the Mariners, lose more than us then it's we so either way we play a 163 if we're tied with anybody that so that's how it works right okay so the tiebreaker doesn't really matter that was only for home field i guess but um so all right so i what i was just saying was in a dream scenario you wouldn't need sale in game 162 and then he's available for game one. Should we win the wild card, which is a, seems like a fantasy at this point, but um, all right. So, so basically both teams have to lose two games for us to avoid a 160, a 163, both teams, the Mariners and blue Jays have to have to lose two and we have to win two. I, it almost seems like we're going for 163 no matter what. You're, you're on mute, Charlie. That's going to become a brutal reality if um, if we lose the first one. All it takes is one. You lose one, game 163 is going to become a reality. If we lose one, that's correct. All right, this is stressful. I'm just going to say this. We're extremely fortunate. Like there's there's nothing worse for a podcast crew to have to to have to suffer through a a seventy something win season. So we're we're at least fortunate that we're in it until the end, at least. Or at least through Saturday night. But And let let me throw one thing out here. Sunday and Monday, if the Red Sox are playing, well, obviously they play Sunday. There's going to be no pressure on this team via the media. They're going to be so preoccupied with Tampa coming to Boston or to Gillette that there's going to be no one's going to be watching them. You know, I mean, they're going to be watching football and all the talk is going to be who is it? Uh, Brady. Yeah. That Brady guy coming back up. So there's going to be no coverage Sunday. There's going to be no coverage Monday. This is actually a blessing in disguise having the Patriots uh, stealing the headlines right now for this for this team. Do you think that Tom Brady coming back to New England is going to completely overshadow this, the fact that if the Red Sox don't win the game on Sunday, they're out? 
I don't a know. billion percent. Look I at all the coverage either. right now. I guarantee. I will tell you right now that it will. The Tom Brady will be on the cover of both um, major newspapers on Monday and probably on Sunday as well. And the Red Sox are going to be buried in in the coverage. The Today Show is setting up for the first time ever at Gillette Stadium. They're going to be doing the Today Show and all the NFL coverage for NBC at Gillette Stadium because it's that big of a story right now. The Red Sox are like the ugliest of sisters in this uh, relationship. I think Brady's going to throttle the Patriots. Oh, he will. And that's going to get all the coverage. Yeah. Yeah, that place is going to be electric. I I don't I don't know I I don't think they're gonna be as off the hook as you might think but but we'll see I'm gonna be watching what what game what time is that on Sunday is that the eight o'clock game or no I would think it would for be. football yeah yeah it's it's the night okay. game okay so all major league baseball games on Sunday start at three p.m. so yeah it's awesome so Boston fans are gonna have the the luxury of both if they want yep. to. So, all right, we will wrap on that. We are not planning on doing a second show like we normally would on a normal week. We're just gonna, we're just gonna chill out and see how these three games pan out. And hopefully we get a sweep like we were supposed to against the Orioles. I'm not even giving a prediction. Do you guys want to give one? I'm not <laughs> two out of three, two out of three. I said we were going to finish the season off 500 in the last two series, and here I am saying it again. We will win two out of three against Washington. You heard it here first. I said they're going to make the playoffs in the wild card game to start of the season. Sticking with my guns. So wait, what's your what's your final prediction on the series here? Got to be at least two they out of three. That they win enough. <laughs> that, that's my All prediction. Right. Well, fair enough because I'm not giving one. So. All right, so everybody, we will be back on Sunday, and if there's a 163, we'll do a bonus show on Monday. So how does that sound? We'll make up for for tonight, or not having one tomorrow, on the back half of the weekend, should we make a game 163. Everybody have a good weekend. Take care.